Hello, welcome to 1000 Words, Stories on the Way. My name is Matthew Clark. Thanks for stopping by the podcast this week. I skipped last week because I got sick and I lost my voice, but it's mostly back, even though it did crack quite a bit Sunday as I was trying to sing in church. But here we are again this week, and I do want to share a little about something that came up in a conversation the other day about the word confession, and it was encouraging to me. Um, As you know, the point of this podcast is to share those little things along the pilgrimage of faith that that keep us going, that keep us trusting Jesus. And one thing that I find the Lord doing again and again is um, buying back lost things, buying back lost things. And that is the meaning of redemption, actually, to buy back something uh, that's lost. Or that's one of the meanings. But uh, sometimes he even buys back certain words or feelings that have been stolen by bad experiences or by deceit. Um, That happens to me a lot, actually. Some word or idea will have a terrible feeling attached to it, and the Lord will slowly walk me through a process of naming or identifying those lies that have taken that word or idea hostage. So it's like if you can imagine you offer someone a spoon for their cereal, and then they they cringe and they say, oh, gross, I hate spoons. And when you ask why, they say, well, because spoons have mud on them, and they make cereal taste awful. Well, then you go on to find out that their parents had this super weird habit of dipping all the spoons in mud before they put them in the utensil drawer. And they thought that was normal because it was normal in their family. But then you take them to the sink and together you wash a spoon and then you hand it to them and it's clean and shiny for the first time in their life. And they say, oh, that's what a spoon is supposed to be like. And, and you say, yeah, uh, spoons are actually wonderful and really helpful. That's a really silly example, but you get the idea. There's so many good things that have been covered in mud, and uh, we've been taught that this gross, muddy version was the real thing. And so the Lord is always having to do the dishes, but He's a humble servant like that, and He doesn't seem to mind uh, that kind of ordinary, redemptive work. So, one quick thing before we get to the episode. Uh, Right now, on Instagram, we're doing the cover reveal for the upcoming book, A Tale of Two Trees, Meditations on Faith-Keeping in Story and Song. And uh, you can can see the cover reveal on Instagram. My Instagram handle is at MatthewClarkNet. So you can go check that out. Okay, here is this week's episode entitled, I Have a Confession to Make. I have a confession to make. If I stop right now and I give you 10 seconds to notice how that sentence makes you feel, what happens? Let's try it. Here's 10 seconds to think about this phrase, I have a confession to make.
Okay, here's what I bet you felt. You probably felt excited, eager, relieved, calm, as if a breath you'd been holding in too long was finally allowed to exhale so you could relax, right? No? I'm being silly, of course. If you're like me, confession brings up feelings that fit more into the category of worry and fear instead of comfort or relief. But why might that be? Yesterday, in a meeting with fellow writers for the Cultivating Project, we were talking about some of the themes that we wanted to focus on in upcoming issues. Over the course of a year, we tend to write around a progression of topics. Lancia Smith, who leads Cultivating, is very deliberate about designing the publication both as a ministry to readers and as a ministry to the writers. We're each being asked to explore topics as a way to challenge and develop our own life of faith through reflection and the discipline of writing the essays that make up each issue. And Lancia has said many times that the Cultivating Project is, first, a discipleship fellowship meant to raise up writers. Here's an excerpt from the website. The Cultivating Project is a nurtured fellowship of Christian writers and makers committed to cultivating holy character, deep-rooted community, and excellence of craft. Together we offer a type of pilgrims in through our publications, workshops, and products, each one made to inspire, strengthen, and give courage to our fellow sojourners. So, as a part of that, we were meeting yesterday to discuss our current topics, and a lot of folks have been struggling. We all carry so many wounds, so many fears and insecurities. It can be so discouraging on the one hand, yet, on the other hand, what a comfort it is to discover yourself nowhere near as alone as you had thought. So as our little fellowship of cultivators confessed our common fears, something wonderful began to emerge. Voices of courage and support stirred and declared another reality. Belovedness was assured. Giftedness and calling were restated. Capacity for beauty and the capability to bring about by God's grace good nourishing things was acknowledged and affirmed. Do you notice what happened? We confessed fears and faults to one another, and what followed was an outpouring of courage and possibility. But here's the strange thing I want to say about confession in this instance. It's that both sides of that experience, the fears and the encouragement, were both instances of confession. Earlier, when I gave you ten seconds to notice the feelings that came up when the word confession is mentioned, my assumption is that those feelings were most likely negative, at least primarily negative and worrisome. Now, I wonder if that might be because confession is primarily associated with sin. For most of us, confession means, maybe even exclusively means, to acknowledge something terrible about ourselves. 
By association, then, confession is a fearful word. What I want to point out, though, is that it's actually a beautiful word. Let's be a little curious about it and look closely. In Scripture, confession comes from a Greek term, homologeo, that has two parts. The first part, homo, means same, and the second part, logeo, means speech. So confess is a word that simply means to say the same thing together. The word in itself is not negative. For instance, if I say, I want a strawberry milkshake, and you say, yes, you do want a strawberry milkshake. You just made a confession. You and I are saying the same thing together. Just this morning, I noticed that a usage like this was already sitting right under my nose in a famous passage about salvation, Romans 10.9. That passage says, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. What feelings arise from that usage of the word confess, I wonder? My guess is that the phrase, I have a confession to make, and if you confess that Jesus is Lord, call up two pretty different emotional responses. But it's the same word. To confess that Jesus is Lord is to join your voice to God's and say the same thing together about Jesus. God has said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I'm well pleased. Listen to him. And to confess is to simply say, Yes, I agree with you, God. I've heard what you're saying about Jesus, and I'll say it with you. In other words, confession is simply to agree with God about reality. It's to admit the truth about the way things are in general. So if I say, water is wet, and you say, yep, it's some of the wettest stuff around. We've just made a good confession, and we're saying the same thing together about reality. Now, here's where sin comes in. We're out of harmony with reality. And if we're going to be healed, we've got to get in touch with what's actually going on. God is being honest with us about the way things are. And confession is a move we make towards honesty. If God is saying, friend, you're deathly ill, and I say, "Mm, I'm fine then I'm not participating in reality. I have no way of accessing healing. But if I confess and I say, I do really feel terrible, actually. Please help me. Now I'm in touch with reality. And all the resources of God are within reach. Confession is no fun in that sense, but it puts us in touch with reality so that we can be cared for by our healing Redeemer. But, remember, confession works the other way, too. If God says, you are very beautiful, you are worthwhile, you are dearly loved, you are capable of incredible good, you are gifted for good works, 
You are washed clean. You have been joined to the family of God. Then the right response is also to make a confession in the joyful sense. God is calling us to confess, meaning to say along with Him the same thing He is saying about us. The same thing He says is the state of reality. He's calling us to say, I confess together with you, God, that I am beautiful, worthwhile, dearly loved, capable of incredible good, gifted for good works, washed clean and joined to the family of God. That is also a confession. Now I want to give you ten more seconds, like we did at the beginning, to notice how saying amen and agreeing with God about the good things he's saying about us, to notice how that makes us feel. Here's ten seconds. God is telling us the truth about reality, about our situation, about ourselves. Confession encompasses all of that. Confession is, of course, to agree with God about our rebellion and woundedness. But it's much bigger because our sin and our shame have been not minimized, but swallowed up by God's love. Confession ultimately calls us to hear God's blessing over us, spoken through Jesus, the Word Himself, and to allow ourselves to fully and deeply receive it. We honor the love we're given by simply receiving it. If God says, you're so precious and desirable that I would lay down my life for you, you can take Him at His word. If, as the scriptures say, the king is captivated by your beauty, then you can confess with God that, bizarre and unlikely as it feels, this is indeed the case. This week I was talking with one of my friends and fellow writers for The Cultivating Project, Amy Malskite. Um, Amy has such a tender heart for people, and she's very sensitive to the way the Lord longs to heal and speak blessing to our hurting places. And so I asked if she'd be willing to close this episode with a prayer. Um, As she prays this, I hope you can join Amy in allowing the blessing that Jesus speaks over you, uh, allowing that to sink in. Um, It does actually take some courage (laughs) to agree with God about his love for us. Uh, So I'm really thankful for Amy's courage and the way that she intercedes here for us. So here's that prayer. Oh God, I confess that I do not know how to confess. Thank you that this is not a problem for you. So come and open my eyes to see you and to see with fresh eyes the story you are writing, to see myself and my story in light of your redemption, hope, and goodness, in light of you, who are most real. Thank you that because of the cross, my pain has a place to go. Spirit of Jesus, you are not just with me, but in me. As you speak words of truth to my heart, 
I choose to align myself with them and to name these real things into this beautiful broken world and to the hurting people around me. I welcome your nearness today. May it be so. Thank you, Amy. I will post the text of that prayer as well as the text of the essay over on my website, matthewclark.net slash 1000words. I'll also post a few links to other things that Amy has written for the Cultivating Project that you'll want to check out. And if you enjoy something Amy has written, please, please let her know. Let her know by commenting on this podcast or commenting over at the Cultivating Project. Uh, Okay, thanks so much for being here this week. I will see you next time on 1000 Words.